And my parents are actually going through a divorce right now. Oh, what? wow. And that Don't is, tell me you're the... My, well, see, this is like when I said we were having family drama. So my parent, my dad initiated it last year. Um, and my mom took it very hard. And I think she's blaming me for it in a way. What? Because I'm a divorce attorney. So she thinks that like I must have talked my dad into oh. this. Or I can talk him out of it if I want to. Oh. And so no. I have a, and so it's me. So yeah. she thinks that I'm driving it, even though I am not. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I'm Mario. And I'm Peter. And we're Guys, guys That, that listen. listen. On today's episode, we have OC's best divorce lawyer, Denise Keller. Ooh. Thank you. <laughs> that uh, was a little painful, but also probably not true. <laughs> I'm not Gotta, the best. I'm one of the best. Gotta My firm you up, you is know. the best. Oh, damn. Okay. But yeah. Um, I'm Denise. I am 33. I am a divorce attorney. I'm with uh, Minyard Morris right now. We're probably the biggest um, exclusive family law practice only firm in Orange County. Uh, yeah, that is what I do. Um, I'm also a wife. I'm newly pregnant. Uh, first kid and am I let's see I am a dog mom probably my other big title which I think you know yeah <laughs> you said you have a wiener dog I have a wiener dog his name is George he's a long-haired dachshund um he's the world's biggest asshole but he's gorgeous <laughs> as long as he looks good definitely. he looks but he knows he looks good that's like the problem ah. and but I don't know if you know anything about wiener dogs they're like notorious for like having huge personalities so they're extremely like um stubborn to begin with and they're just like little tiny humans but you add that to him being like drop dead gorgeous and it's just <laughs> the worst combo egos wow. through the roof yeah like everyone keeps asking me about this pregnancy and they're like oh like does does george know like that she's there is he reacting different i was like he could not care less like and like i'm like 110 percent confident that when she comes he is going to hate her I was gonna say. like <laughs> confident like He's he has his sweet moments, but he is not second to anything. Wow. So it's gonna be a rough transition for him. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like the jealous older sibling when the limelight's off them and on yeah. like the new That's kid. So funny. Yeah, he'll push her no matter what. He'll sit I, on her, he'll do anything, he will like lose his mind. Well, good thing he's small. <laughs> yeah, he is too small. Much. I always find it interesting when people name their dogs after like people. Yeah. You know, like, what inspired? So his name is George because my husband's first uh, wiener dog was named Kramer because yeah. he was oh, a big okay. Seinfeld yeah. fan. Mm. So um, after he passed, when we got George, we kept it in the family. And the next one's Jerry. <laughs> so we were thinking about that. Or an Elaine. I thought an Elaine would be really cute if we got a girl wiener For your daughter? Dog. I've thought of it. That's not bad. <laughs> really? Elaine. <laughs> Biggest Seinfeld stands. My uh, husband has vetoed that, though. Okay. So he's, he's going through a phase right now. Um, we do not have any names picked out. He currently hates every single name. He's just what? nothing. There's like not a single thing I could throw out there that he will take right now. I think he's just. I got a good one, one for you. Names. Which one? Maria. Maria. Maria, Maria Keller. Okay. <laughs> or or Denise Jr. So he's trying to just he wants to just name her D. And I was like, D what? He's like, D. And I was no, like, that's, that's bad. Not you know how much very creative. You know how many kids will make fun of her in high yeah. school? Yeah. Like, just don't name her Helen. You I think you'd be okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with Helen? You don't hear it? My, my no. What? S say say her full name. <laughs> fair? Fair enough. Fair, fair enough. Fair. <laughs> I always uh, encourage girls to name their daughters after themselves too. 
you know yeah. like we we do it all the time i plan to name my kid mario see well that's so he wanted so my like my house like asian name is b and he also just wants to call her b and i was like mm. you can't like i was like b b what and he's like just b and i was like like b i that's and then that's how you can I do B-I. Spell it. so he wants to spell it b i and i was like no like that's a house name yeah i was like you can give her a name like b like lily billy Ben, anything. Yeah, and then just call her B. B. Yeah, yeah. Like it. But no, he wants B. And I was like, mm. I was like, so we cannot agree right now. Yeah, he's you'll literally be- picking letters. That, and I'm trying to get this a is name. like uh, those weird names that people like the artists and stuff pick for their kids. Yeah. And I'm like, those kids are gonna get me fun of, man. Yeah. Give her, give her a normal name, and they just shorten it. Like you know, give her like a nickname. B. D. Is but, B for oldest B, or middle? Uh, B was just because my brother couldn't say baby. When I came oh. out, I think everyone's got different reasons, but I feel like every I don't know at least Vit family there's there's so many bees. Yeah, because there's bee sure. and there's fees for the youngest, right? Fee. Uh, th- th- I think it's the. Th- oh, okay. I have no idea because my younger brothers we call them B. B. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah, it's just like the second. It's just the second sibling. Really? Yeah. I thought so. Yeah, my parents explained it to me as the baby thing, but and then I know somebody else. It's because their name was B. I don't like Bridget or something and so it was B but I don't yeah. know why the B because I know there's three there's, there's B there's the and there's Fee Fee I haven't heard of Fee I've heard like siblings I being fee. called that yeah they Fee and B I really need to find out like the logic behind all that because when you call people names in Vietnamese it's really confusing because you know like with your grandpa and grandma depending on your mom's side or your dad's side it's yeah. two different things right the but they get that. called both depending on which kid is yeah, you know the grandkids calling that. So, for instance, like, uh, let's say my mom's mom, right? I would call her Bob White, right? Yeah. But my uncle from the same side of the family, his kids would call him uh, her Benoit. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it's the same grandma, and that's confusing because sometimes, well, especially now, my my grandma has dementia, right? <laughs> so, so she now is like listening to all these kids talk about Manoi and why. Like it's it's the same. They're all yeah, referring to like, her. Yeah, she's like, is it me? Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, oh. I'm just like, oh wow. Thanks. I'm the worst with that. But I think it. I think from like an Asian Asian like cultural perspective, it like lets you know right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like when you're talking about someone, are you talking about your like maternal grandma or mm-hmm. your paternal grandma? Yeah. And the hierarchy of like the age thing, I've never. I I can never get it. Yeah. And I always feel like. Like, I don't want to call somebody, like, bah, which means, like, because they're older. But then yeah. I was like, that's so... But then I know it's also rude to not acknowledge their age, too. Yeah. So it's, like, a weird, like, mix of, like, this Western guilt, but then also, like, trying to respect the Asian culture. Yeah. Is it, is it polite if you still call them M? Like, you clearly know they're older, but, like, oh, hey, M. Or is I that... I don't see. That's the thing. It's, like, you want to do that to be flattering? Yeah, because yeah. you know how you do that with, like, some older, like, oh, miss, or, yeah, like, yeah, you know? Yeah. is that, Does that work in the same way? I don't know. Okay. And I, I think it depends on the person i guess and mm-hmm. i think you would have to ask them if they're okay with it because i think i mean i don't know i'm not the authority on this at all but like i feel like it could be like disrespectful right it, i think it could be yeah i feel like the only time you do that knowing that someone's like older than you it's like in a flirtatious way you know like if you let's say one of my friends sees like well, older that's exactly why lady, I asked. yeah and it calls her m it's kind of like he's like trying to flirt with her you know like oh hey M's i mean like, m is a bit aggressive that's like that's like like littler than you or like yeah, yeah. younger than you mm-hmm. like G or something it's like <laughs> yeah, different yeah. but yeah you know like Matt he does that a lot like he so one of my buddies Matt he he likes to uh, I guess in a way like hit on like our friends' moms. So he went to like Adam's house and then the mom came out. He's like, Oh my God, Adam, I didn't know you had G, you know? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Oh my God. 
<laughs> so I mean, I guess like being called something younger in certain instances like work. Like yeah, that. could be flattering. <laughs> yeah. okay. but I mean, I think it, you gotta know your audience. I think I'll yeah. go with G instead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but the number thing is very confusing though because it's not. I guess confusing is the wrong word, but it for me, I'm really bad with names. Right. Yeah. So. Already, I just call them by because you call them by numbers. You know what I mean? Like back high, back bad. So it means like two, three, four, five. So, you know, going down the numbers as far as like you know, oldest to youngest. Yeah. But because of that, I don't remember their names. I just remember I just call them by the number. Yeah. <laughs> hey, number I mean? one. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Number two. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's that's where it goes. It's like their identity is just like numbers to you. Yeah. Or at least for me. Like everybody has like a back high or back mm-hmm. back. Yeah. Yeah. There exactly. Exactly. So that's. To me, I'm like, oh, I'm never going to learn the names. It's just going to refer to them as that. But also, you have certain names where it's like a nickname, you know? Like uh, when you you have like uncles like short or something like that, you know? The, they'll say like, oh, go nya. You know what I mean? Like the, the small one. Yeah. Oh, nya means small. small. One. Yeah, oh, small uncle. Okay. So my grandma had, uh, she had 10. And then this is their actual name. It's not like I don't. Like, I think they're, like, real Vietnamese names are these names. But she got mm-hmm. to a point where she got to, like, some number 9 and 10 are literally go yu and go nyu, which means, like, yeah. the leftover and the too much. Oh. <laughs> like, that is literally <laughs> Like, I think when you think about it, that's, like, what that means. I was yeah. like, oh, wow, you just, like, gave up at the end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, okay. Are you, are you close to your family? Um, I was... There's like been a rift recently, mm. but for I would say I was closer to my mom's side. Um, but my mom's side's also very quiet. So we'll have like gatherings and stuff, but it's like really hard to, if I'm honest, to like have a conversation with them. So mm. I wish I could see them more. Um, and there's there's definitely um, been some drama in our family for the past like year or so. So I actually haven't seen my cousins or my uncles in about a year. Hey. Oh, wow. But um, I'm hoping they'll come to the baby shower, but we'll see. Oh. So, yeah. What about the other side of your family? Um, <laughs> some rift there too. <laughs> oh, between wow. my my mom wasn't always the biggest fan of that yeah. other side. Um, but the great thing is, like, I just went to my cousin's baby shower last week, and I mean, our cousins always said it that whatever drama our parents had when we were growing up, it kept us from like hanging out. But ever since we've been older and we've been able to connect like on our own, like my relationship with them when I do get to see them is like great. I love that. So I. I want to see them more. I'd love to see them more. I think my dad's side of the family is super fun. I like, obviously love my mom's side of the family. I want to see them more often. So family's big to me. I just, I, I just wish I had more of it, even though I'm from a very big family. Mm-hmm. Did that uh, ins- lead you or inspire you in any way to like pursue di- oh, divorce? No. <laughs> Legal the, whole, the whole divorce thing is just like life happening to you and you kind of just, for lack of, better way to say it. I just got stuck in it right like hmm. so how, how did you get into it what? so growing up my mom always told me like you should be you should be an attorney you like arguing with me you like writing <laughs> you're so stubborn and kind of a thing but like her windows are so limited it's like either be a doctor or be an attorney those are like my options yeah. so I kind of disregarded it for most of my life but then by the time I got through like college or I was nearing the end of college I was like I had a sociology degree. I was like, what am I going to do with that? So I added a poli-sci minor to it just because mm. it was easy. But I was like, I'm not doing anything with this. I was like, and then I think, uh, you know, Buddha, yeah. he was studying for the LSATs. So we decided to kind of just do it together. And I was like, 
I have nothing to lose. I'll do it. I'll take the LSATs once and that's it. I did the same thing with the SATs. I hate those tests. <laughs> I will, I can only sit through it once. I only did it once. I was like, whatever I get, I get. So then I didn't do too badly. And then I just started applying to schools. And then a few gave me a scholarship, Chapman being one of them. Oh, nice. So at that point, I was like, I don't really have anything to lose to just try this. And so I just went with it. And it ended up being like my experience in law school was so fun. Like, really? I don't know why. And I, I think I'm an anomaly except for the group of friends that I made there. Like we all kind of have agreed that our first year of law school, as hard as it was, was also very fun. Mm. So um, I loved it. I completely enjoyed my law school experience. I met my husband there. Still really good friends with the friends I made. Um, so I just really enjoyed it. But then when you're in law school, you're obviously doing your curriculum and all that stuff, which is just gearing you up for the bar. Then your experiences come from like your internships in the summer and you've pretty much only got two, right? Your first summer and then your second summer. So by the time of my second summer, I had two jobs. It was bankruptcy and a family law firm. Mm. and I hated the bankruptcy one. <laughs> it was also in Riverside. Ooh. So obviously the family law one was super, like way more attractive, way more interesting, mm. and I kind of just stuck with them, and I, I stayed with them for the first five years of my practice, and so family law is literally the only area of law I know, which I think is like some people, when you say, oh, my friend's an attorney or something like that, they want to ask me all these questions about like DUIs and criminal things yeah. and like contracts and real. I was like, I, I cannot, I don't know any more than you do. Honestly, <laughs> like, I, I cannot help you there. I was like, I only know family law and it's a very niche area of law. So that area, I got you. Anything else, you got to go somewhere else. So, but yeah, that's, that's kind of all I know. And, um, I think I happen to be pretty decent at it. So I, I like it for the most part. It's, mm. it's like, you're kind of dealing with people when they're going through like the worst possible time of their life. So that part I don't enjoy, but at the same time, if you're looking for the bright side of it, you're the work that you do and the impact that you have actually like impacts someone's like day to day, like a natural person's like daily life versus like if you were doing something else and it was like a fictitious like corporate entity or an insurance company or something like that, it's like kind of far removed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's hard on you emotionally because you are dealing with such an emotional concept or, or, or a client. And then at the same time, it is a little bit more rewarding, but it's, it's draining at the same time. Has it changed your views on love and marriage from when you, before you started to now? It's hard for me to say that. Cause it's like, well, I've been doing this for like seven years. Mm -hmm. And so what, seven years ago, you're probably like 25, 26 when you're coming out of law school. What do you know about love and marriage <laughs> in that, that age? Fair. Right? Like That's you don't, fair. So I, I don't know that it's changed much. I think people always wonder if it makes you kind of jaded. Mm -hmm. I think to a certain extent, maybe, but I, it's hard for me to say because I don't know that I would think any differently if I wasn't a divorce attorney. Like, mm. like for example, if I divorced my husband for some reason right now, I would never get married again. Ever. Like I wouldn't do it, but I don't know that that has anything to do with the fact that I'm a divorce attorney, right? Like it's not like That's doing right. the divorce would be that hard. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. So I I don't think that that colors it any differently. Did you? I mean, now that you speak about it, like you never get married again, was your stance on marriage always like, oh, I'm down to get married, or was that something that your husband changed? I think I've always wanted to get married, 
but that's also like my personality type right like i've always been in a, a long-term like committed relationship i've pretty much like never been single <laughs> i'm like one of those oh people. yeah yeah, yeah. marriage was always kind of like something i was willing and ready to do mm. regardless of it i think the only and even before i was a divorce attorney like obviously when greg and i were studying for the bar one of the subjects is community property and we would talk about it and things like that and I, I offered it to him. If he wanted a prenup, we, we talked about it. He was, he's not a divorce attorney or family law either. So, I mean, we've had that conversation. So that didn't change much of anything for us either. So, so you guys did sign a prenup? You guys signed? No, we did oh, not. Oh, okay. you did not. Oh. No. Do you think that's important? Like, does it, is it important to sign a prenup? Does it affect, does it affect? It depends on who you are and what you have. Okay. So that's, that's the, that's my answer to it, right? So I honestly wish that, they made getting married as hard as it is to get divorced. Oh, that makes sense. They do not. So, and at the very minimum, like obviously you can't do that, but at the very minimum, I think that it would be so beneficial for people to kind of have that conversation, at least to like consult with an attorney for like an hour or something, or to kind of just do some basic research mm. before you get, if, even if you don't want a prenup, right? Like that's, everyone thinks that that will solve everything. It does not. Oh, it doesn't? No. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's depends, so complicated. But see, it depends on what you want yeah. and, and what your goals are and who you are. And if you, mainly if you have a business or planning to open up a business or if you have property kind of a thing, those are where the components kind of, I think make a difference. Um, but outside of that, like, just having the basic understanding of like what community property law is and how you, what will happen if you do this or this and that, you can kind of manage and clean up and keep your things organized along the way without having to get a prenup, right? You mm. just need to know what the rules are. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. And so by the time they get to me and their divorce, like 10, five, whatever, 20 years later, they're like, one of the reasons they're super upset is because they're just like, oh, I had no idea. Like, that I, yeah. if I mix this or if I sold that or if I put this in this title or like that's not mine just because it's like, no, it's not. Like is they there, don't get that. Is there a simple way of explaining exactly what community property is? Oh, yeah. I mean, basically it's anything acquired during marriage. That's okay. not by gift or inheritance, right? So anything that you got gifted or you inherited is your separate property. But the thing is you have to keep things clean. So you have to, okay, also, disclaimer, I'm not giving anybody legal advice right now, okay? <laughs> like, this is just a general comment. But yeah, separate property tends to be like things that you've acquired before marriage or after marriage or by gift or inheritance, right? But then you can change titles to that or you can change the character of that. Like, things can happen. It can get messy. You can lose that separate property character mm. of it by doing, like, dumb stuff, like right? But what do you mean by dumb stuff? Like putting each other's names on stuff, or what is what is dumb stuff? So many things. Oh man! <laughs> like, <laughs> if I if I ever get married, I'm I'm gonna talk See, to you. See, that's the thing. So <laughs> I, for all of my friends personally, when they're about to, you know, get married or something, I encourage like I will have a conversation with them. Really? I or at least I try to. Right? I want to, especially for those who have property or who have a business. Like, I want to make sure that they understand. Cause I'm like, they're my friends. Like mm -hmm. I want to, I want them to know like, but they will most often come to me anyways and ask like, should I get a prenup? And then we have that conversation anyways. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Cause my, I have property, have a business and my dad told me specifically, Hey, like the only thing I ask of you, I don't care who you marry. 
just get a prenup beforehand. Yeah. You know, because there's a lot of mm-hmm. stuff we built, like as a family and everything too. But I thought it was just all I needed was a prenup. But you're telling me there's more. Well, you you probably do need a prenup, and if you, but even if you don't get one, you just need to understand why you wouldn't get one and what happens yeah. from not no, I'm getting, getting one. one for sure. <laughs> but it also you need to understand how your prenup works, right? Oh, okay. So it's one thing to write the contract and say this is how this goes, but if you don't follow it or if you oh, don't understand it, I have to follow it too. That's what I was thinking. I thought it was like a get out of jail free card. No, like, it's God not. Damn. No, there are rules. There's a certain way it works. Rules certain are always kind of changing. You have to understand it too. Is there a simple way to explain exactly what a prenup is? It's just a contract that you, your California law has its own set of rules, right? Community property, all this stuff. Like if you don't have a prenup, when you get divorced, it's going to go this way. Yeah. Before you get married, you have an opportunity to essentially say, it's going to go this way instead. It's We're going to go by these rules versus California rules for a certain, like, for certain subjects. So there's not much you can do with custody and there's not much you can do with child support, right? You, yeah. You're you never going to be able to take the power away from the state to have control over those issues when it comes to your kids. It's always going to be a best interest thing. You, you can't contractually do anything there. So prenups are more about the spousal support, the property division, fees, things like that. They, you can't really control your kids perspectively yeah. in that. And the other thing that people don't understand is that a like a prenup, so you can do that, you can make that contract before you get married when you're doing like an arm's length transaction kind of a thing. Um, so you can get more done that you want to get done. Some people think that they'll just do like a postnup and they'll do I'm it sorry, after what? they get married. <laughs> they like want to like make contract like like if we were married and mm-hmm. I said like you and I are gonna write a contract and we're like, mm-hmm. this is gonna this is going to be what happens if we get divorced, right? You can't do that anymore. Oh. It's really, really hard. Oh, it's, you're, it's a whole separate different rules once you're married because California imposes this fiduciary duty on you. Mm. So you can't just start contracting with your spouse to gain an advantage or to do something like that because those contracts aren't going to be valid. Yeah, Contracts I, between a spouse are completely different between contracts with a stranger. Mm. That's wild. I had no idea. Yeah, I assume a lot of that happens post because people's lifestyle changes like they get into like a big business or like they come into some money and they're like yeah. oh maybe i need to you know it's do too late it's this. not yeah. i mean it's not too late that's it's the thing hard. is like but you should talk to somebody and like you should understand like if i do this with this business or if i mm. whatever like this will this is how it's gonna like roadmap out down in the future it, right there's a way of at least like understanding what you're doing while you're doing it so that you're not just completely blindsided in the mm-hmm. end but i mean i think that conversation is worth having in the beginning too before you're deciding what to do mm. like i just wish they would have like a class about this <laughs> at some point like you know <laughs> just like people go to like marriage counseling or couples counseling and stuff before they get married about like how to like you know just yeah. manage their future marital relationships and stuff like that mm. but i was like why not have a class on just like the basic structure of your Hey, it could be a little side business. You know, you can do it. A little side business for you. A little little counseling session for people. (laughs) I can recommend you to someone. You go to my firm. (laughs) But it's definitely worth, like, thinking about. I just always thought that it, it's always blown my mind that it's, like, so difficult to get divorced. And it's so complicated. And it's so messy. But they make getting married so easy. Yeah. I have a client who uh, is going through, like, a 10-year divorce. Oh. Yeah. And it's, like, destroyed his life. It's destroyed his kid's life. 
Like it's crazy. So he had to. Uh, so I'm in mortgage. So it, he, he had to pull out money from the house in order to pay off her, you know, portion. And she doesn't even live here anymore. She lives like in Vegas. He lives out here. The kids are in their 30s now. So they were going through the divorce in the 20s. I don't know the full details, but the kids hate the mom. They don't want to talk to her. She's prolonged the divorce and the payment of her portion for like 10 years. And uh, she started charging him interest. And one of the reasons why it's been delayed so long is because she has to sign the paperwork too because she's also part owner of the home. But she refuses to. So, but then she's like, I'm gonna charge you for every month that you're not paying me, but I'm not signing the paperwork for you to get the money. That's nuts. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. I was just like, whoa, what the hell? How how did these people get married? It's kind of insane. And you know, talking about prenups and stuff like that, it seems like there's a lot of pros, right, to prenups. Are there any cons you would say? I think it's a sensitive subject for a lot of people, right? So I've seen it where it's like you'll they'll bring up a prenup and then they'll want to do it, but then doing a prenup requires like financial disclosures between the two parties and divulging all that stuff. And like, so to make it stronger, you kind of have to be more forthcoming about everything. And if you do that, you're opening up a whole can of worms that maybe you didn't really know about that person before you getting married, like seeing all their credit card debt or seeing like all their separate property assets and then them being like, no, you can't have that. And then being like, Oh, you don't want to share that. Like it opens up. So if you're not, I guess, um, confident in your relationship or secure and, and, really transparent about that and Mm you bring that up it's gonna be problematic wouldn't that be like i feel like that'd be a priest yeah yeah but i don't know when you say a con con could be that you just don't get married so yeah it depends i don't or or would it be a pro because then you don't have to get divorced that's fair too true like what do you mean you got a mansion in the heptons like whoa you know what i mean i feel like when you get married that stuff has to be disclosed. Like, oh, at least my, my own perspective on what marriage is, is like, you should have as much open, uh, open dialogue as you can. Like, be vulnerable, be open. You should. Be honest about everything, like your financial stuff, your mental stuff, your whatever it is, you know? Like, I, I, I saw this thing. Some guy was talking about, uh, he got divorced and his second marriage, he realized that he, there's a, there's a girl he wanted to marry, but he has one rule. He's not going to marry anyone unless they like do psychedelics together or something like that. And it's because it, for him, it like makes him vulnerable and like really opens up to who he is. Okay. And it's a, it's, a, it's a clause that he decided on, you oh, know? Wow. And I was, like not a real clause, oh, but it's like something like, where it's like, I can't, I can't marry someone unless we do this. Yeah, that, even that, if that it's wouldn't just be once. contractual, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, I really? I think California is going to force that one, but sure. <laughs> but there's this like openness to it. Because I get it. I get why he would want to do that. Because there's this openness to your personality who you are yeah, who vulnerability you, like, very much who you are as a person and i that kind of like seems like what you open up when you do a prenup where you have to share all this financial information that maybe you keep closed before you marry someone but i feel like you got to be open about all that stuff right true but another thing that i guess a negative when you think about it is people think that why are you trying to start off your marriage looking at the end so I think it just it sets oh. a negative tone yeah. to it and you're mm-hmm. like anticipating the end already. So for some people that's like taboo or they don't want to like even think about that because you shouldn't be planning the end at the beginning. Oh, I see. And that's like one way that people look at it where it's like a negative. So it, it just depends on the person. This yeah. is why I tell any any girl that I'm getting moderately serious with, I'm like, hey, just letting you know, we're going to have to sign a prenup eventually. <laughs> You start off, you know, tell them from the beginning. Yeah, mm. and if she sticks around for it, good. Yeah. But, so outside yeah. of marriage, what I remember reading this 
law in high school. So my memory sucks, by the way. So I remember if you live with someone and you're in a relationship for X amount of years, oh. and even though you're not married, there is a certain like liability you have to have for the other person, like for lifestyle or if like you financially. Yeah, even if you're not married. Yeah, even if you're not married. Do you know what that's about? Yeah, so it's interesting you brought that up. It's I'm blanking on the name, but some <sighs> people used to think that it's if you were living together for 10 years or whatever mm -hmm. and you acted like you were married but you were never actually married, then California would automatically make you married after mm -hmm. 10 years. Mm -hmm. My parents thought that. Mm. So they never actually got They didn't get officially married until I was like 12, even oh, though they had like their wedding photos and all that stuff from like before I was born. Like they were under this weird impression as well. And so then they realized that they're not actually married. Uh -huh. So they technically got married when I was 12. But you said it in a way that I think makes more sense where you're, you asked about liability for like essentially cohabitating with someone mm -hmm. in that reliance. That's not marriage, right? So that's mm -hmm. a different assumption. So yes, there is, there's, it's a very um, narrow area of California law. They're called like Marvin actions after a case. Right. So it's more about, that's more civil and contractually based versus like maritally based or like based in the family code. Mm -hmm. But essentially it's like someone relying on you either through an oral contract or maybe a written contract or something because you've been living together for so long and like you've supported them and they've given up their, it's like a rare area. Mm. We don't really do them. They're really hard to do in general, but yes, there is kind of that but that's more of like a reliance kind of a thing yeah so just any kind of like civil relationship reliance not like an actual like marital reliance because mm -hmm. yeah. I, I think i heard about it it's like you cohabitate with someone for years and then you're like oh well we're not getting married they never got married but it helps that partner if they've been with them like and i think it goes up it goes something like from five years eight years ten years like that depending on how much time you spent with them they're entitled to something of the property or something I don't know. I don't do. Yeah. I don't do the Marvin action specifically. I don't know that the, there's tears. I I I would assume that it turns on, on what your agreement was, mm -hmm. right? I feel like for it to be valid, it's got to. I mean, I don't. I don't even know. I'm like just speaking out of my ass <laughs> yeah, at this yeah. point. That's all. You're, you're the most you're the most knowledgeable one here. So. But I we'll, feel we'll like it's based. It's based on some sort of like reliance and contract kind of a thing. So if if. But that's just oral contracts in general. It's like if I told you, hey, we're I'm gonna go buy this house with you. We're gonna live together for for indefinitely and by if you make it to year 10 with me you can have half of the house mm. that's a contract and you oh, say okay yes let's do it let's do it together can't you just deny that be like i didn't i never said that well see that's why these actions are so hard Ooh, cool. <laughs> i would think so but i mean i don't know i don't do them but that's just my initial thoughts on it right okay. sounds complicated good thing you'll never have to deal with that i know right? <laughs> seriously they have to take care of me what the fuck get it in writing <laughs> I was gonna say, um, you know how you said you offered your husband a prenup uh -huh. back then, and then he said no, right? Yeah. What was your reasoning to offer him that? Being that you guys are both in law, so you guys are very well versed in it, or at least you know you're you know somewhat of what a prenup is comprised of. But like, uh, as far as on his end, like, why did he say no, and why did you decide that you had to propose that to him? Uh, well, the reason I offered it mainly was because um, we got a house together before we got married oh. so we, there was a property issue at that point but that house was primarily gifted to us with the help of his parents oh. so i wanted to, him to be able to feel secure that like if something happened between us like oh, he could really nice. have his separate property component back like oh. his whatever his parents put into it would come out of it and if like 
if something did happen, like we would know exactly how to make sure that he wasn't losing out on anything that his parents gave him. But I think he trusted me enough to know that I would never do that anyway. So he was just like, it's fine. So we had our understanding of what would happen anyways. And then outside of that, I did a little better than him in law school anyways. So, but we're neck and neck, right? <laughs> like where we, he, She's he does, he yeah. does earn a little bit more than me, but barely. We've been neck and neck for our entire careers for the most part. We don't really ever plan on opening up a business or other things like that. Mm. I just wanted him to have the option about the house. Got it. Okay. That, that makes sense. It's funny that you said that because I actually had a client who like, uh, we've been talking for like two years and he was not married and he wants to buy a house. And then eventually he got married and I told him about, you know, Camila and like California and stuff like that. And he was like, you mean she's going to be part owner of this too? Like my wife? I was like, yeah. And he was like, so you're telling me I have to go get a divorce and then buy the house. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? And he was dead serious. You know, like they had just gotten married like six months prior. And I was like, whoa, maybe you should not have gotten married you now. And that was just like one of the things. It was just like a bunch of other things. Like he had inherited some money. He was like, okay, so now what? Does she see my bank account stuff? I'm like, dude, I'm not a lawyer, bro. Like you're talking to the wrong fucking person. I know you're emptying out your dirty laundry on me, but like, whoa. Answer is yes. Yeah, I think so too. She's entitled I, to all those records. Yeah. Is there any specific red flags that you've seen in these divorces where you're like, oh, you could have probably pre prevented this from oh, a thousand percent. Right? Oh, really? Yeah. Any That's why it's like, mind? well, just examples like that, right? Like mm -hmm. when you buy a house, if you're buying, if you, or if you had a separate property house before you got married and you wanted to keep it separate, like I said in the beginning, so community property is anything acquired during marriage. That mm -hmm. includes your earnings. Yeah. So if you are taking your community earnings, anything you earned from your job since you got married and you're putting it to pay your mortgage on your separate property house, you're now creating like a pro tanto interest oh, for the shit. community in that house. Wow, <laughs> that's crazy. Wait, so let's say, so just just things like that, right? Yeah. So if you really wanted to keep it separate, you should have just have found a way to fund that with your separate property on its own, like rent out that separate property house and let it be completely self-sufficient on its own mm. and don't let any of your community stuff touch it. Like it's its own LLC, owned by LLC, and then like doesn't have to be an off. LLC, but just if you if if you just had rented it and mm. it completely covers itself with the rent. Self sufficient. Yeah. If I had a separate property and I included it in a prenup, and but I still had a mortgage on it, and I got married, and the earnings I was earning, I was using it to pay that house. Your prenup would have to include defined. that. Oh. That that would mm. that your earnings wow. during marriage would not be community anymore. That they would be separate, and that anything contributed to your separate property house, including your earnings during marriage, because they are now separate because of the way you wrote the contract. Wow. Then that would be okay. All right, guys, marriage is a scam. Peter, you, <laughs> <laughs> you were right, Peter. <laughs> That's insane. Okay, so I, I have a question for you. So I assume before you guys get married, we will all have a conversation. Yes, 100%. Uh, you don't, don't have, have to worry about, about him. Me. I'm chilling. That's why I said we have like different uh, viewpoints because I don't want to get married. He doesn't want to get married at all. He doesn't yeah. want a dog. He doesn't want a cat. He doesn't want kids. He doesn't what? want a wife. I don't think he said he didn't want it. He's, <laughs> you're allergic. It's different. Yeah, 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 he's allergic I, to marriage. I actually do like cats and dogs, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Ma marriage is not something that I've been about for a long time. And even when I was about it, like I realized when I, as I got older, I was like, is this really what I want? Or is this what society tells me that yeah. I should do? And I realized, oh, wait, actually, no, that's not what I want. So that's why my viewpoint is different now. I'm more concrete on it because I understand that naturally that's not what I want. Yeah. Yeah. And 
That's totally fine. And mm-hmm. honestly, I think it's actually very smart. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. So I have a question for you. Um, you know, because in mortgage, you do, do talk to a lot of people and there are a lot of people who have, who are married and divorced and stuff like that. I've talked to a decent amount of people, strangely enough, that have been married more than three or four times. Yeah. I'm assuming there's a lot of data and numbers that goes into family, specifically divorce law, where if you get divorced, let's say once, how likely is it that you'll get divorced twice? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a big fanatic about the statistics of the divorce mm. rates and things like that, but that's, I don't know. I feel like it's a, from my perspective, I think it's a personal thing, right? Like the, the person that's going to get married multiple times and do that to themselves multiple times is, that's just them, right? It's mm. not like doing it. If you're willing to do that a second time, you're probably going to be willing to do that a third time. But then there's the people who are, I think, more like me. If you tried it once and you're not going to ever do it again, then that's it. You're not going to go for round two. But if you go for round two, you might as well go for round th- I don't know. <laughs> like, crazy. I don't know. So you never had, like, repeat clients? Like, oh, hey, Denise, I'm back. There are repeat clients. Yeah. <laughs> she got that on retainer. <laughs> <laughs> there are definitely repeat clients. Um, people are just hopeful, right? People... That's a great and way that's, of putting it. That's mm-hmm. like totally fine. And it's it's okay to be a romantic. Oh. It's okay to to also not want you can have the, that quality of a relationship like I think what you want without having to like legally bind yourself to mm-hmm. it as well. So there's like people are just different. And so it's not my place to say that, you know, it's it's a numbers game or it's the stats or oh. or if it's a sp- specific type of per- I don't know I can't I can't really comment on that yeah. can you can you comment on some of the more stranger things you've seen in the practice <laughs> I knew this question was <laughs> <laughs> some of the crazier stuff you've seen um s- <sighs> divorces are just wild okay um <laughs> so there's this one case I heard about this was before my time at um this firm but I did hear that there was a multiple day trial a DV trial, so domestic violence trial mm. that involved a squirrel. <laughs> a squirrel? What? A squirrel. I think the story was that um, part of the allegation of the domestic violence was that the wife had like a pet squirrel that would like come every day to the house and she was like close with it and stuff. Wow. And cool. the husband did a bunch of, um, he was a violent guy and did a bunch of things to harass her. And then one day, like, gave like there was the dead squirrel and she but like the whole trial was like was this the squirrel like was this her squirrel or is this just a squirrel like i don't know i think that's what it was i i've I've heard about it i don't know it's like folklore to me at this point but our firm has talked about it so there was the squirrel trial let's see there was a blowjob dv as well how do you what yeah violent Mm. they bit it off no 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 it was like the exact opposite it was like huh what's opposite of that it was the man filing a DV claim. One of his claims, it was it was one of them, but obviously the most like prominent one that stuck out to us was that um, she would force him to have it every like day at like four a.m. or Wh- something like that. Whoa! <laughs> he just like, <laughs> like <laughs> wait. So this client's single now? No, just kidding. Uh, they actually uh, they got back together. So. <laughs> Oh, what? Whoa, whoa. What? That's crazy. Maybe, That's crazy. Wait, you said they're back together? Yeah. Oh, he was like, damn, actually, that no, was actually, actually a you know good what? relationship. I, I should call her. <laughs> I think so. I think the story is essentially like 
their infidelity issues and uh. she felt that like he would be more faithful to her if like he was taken care of so she oh, like had to make sense. sure that he was like it got done yeah. every day so that he would like but then at the same time he would just be like really tired or like he didn't want to do it <laughs> so or like gotta go work wow. but he was just and so she would just and then if he was like in the bathroom too long she would like call him out on it being like oh. what are you doing in there like i have to do it like oh i don't know it was like weird that's crazy <laughs> apparently <laughs> it's it's weird that's see this wild. is the other crazy thing about divorces though is that um your marital life and your relationship is like it's supposed to be super private it's all out but yeah Ooh. but once you decide to start slinging mud on paper it's like horrifying yeah like and so i think about that like I have noticed this in like my relationship with, and maybe, okay, so maybe this is the answer to your question about like how has it kind of colored my life. I've noticed like as our relationship has progressed, when I get mad and stuff now, I just like, I will just ghost my husband. I don't say anything. I don't write anything. I just like will not mm. do anything because like in my head, I'm always thinking like, protect yourself. Like what? <laughs> like I, like I no, see no these like, like, all these confrontations and all these like text messages between them and emails and things that people are fighting about. And I'm just like, this is so ridiculous. And it's just like, I'd rather just not. So I just like, I will shut down personally or I will just like ghost my husband for the time being until we can calm down until, and that's it. Cause I just like, I do not want to be another story. No paper trail. Yeah. And then that's you don't it. want to be a statistic. <laughs> so you, I noticed you mentioned like texts and emails. Yeah. They're rare, right? So yeah. the, it, it's not every divorce that's going to require that. A lot of divorces are completely normal and it's mostly just about dividing your finances and, and figuring out things with the kids. I think when all that emotional stuff comes in is when there are kid-related issues. So it's like, that's when you're, um, you know, the quality of you being a parent, abusive or mentally like stable, how you talk, how you communicate. That's when all that stuff kind of comes into play or when it's like a domestic violence issue. I see. But for most people, no, your like emails and text messages do not really get out. Okay. For the most part. But mm. if you are going to make a stink about all the little stuff, then yeah, it's going to come out. Mm. So I'm curious, what what would you say in your perspective is the number one reason for divorce? Oh, I can't say. There's one thing that's very polarizing that's like, oh, infidelity is like a big one, something like that. There's or finances. So, or is there just know? so many reasons? Infidelity is also like it's obviously huge, and that's that's like super emotional for people. Mm-hmm. Mental health is another one. Oh, oh really? Really? Okay. I would say that. To what degree are we talking about? People are just depressed. They're schizophrenic. Uh, you know. So um, when it's mental health, it's other things like also like alcohol, like because alcoholism and 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 drug abuse and all that stuff, mm-hmm. it kind of ties in with the mental health thing. Yeah. So it's just that obviously affects your ability to parent. That affects your ability to you know, be a partner to your spouse and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. So once that starts deteriorating your relationship, obviously that will break down if nothing is done about it, especially if it's like petitive and it's just a cycle, then at a certain point, someone will break Mm -hmm. one way or the other, whether that's through like an actual violent episode or just like you've worn them down and they can't do it anymore. So that's pretty common. That has nothing to do with infidelity. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're tied to each other. Maybe not. Mm -hmm. Others, it's just... People have grown apart, but yeah, if you're making me think about it, I would say either probably the infidelity and the mental health. Mm. And then outside of that, just abuse. Oh, that's, I mean, mental health is new. I I didn't think about that at all. I, you know, 
because you coordinated or correlated with like alcohol and all these other things that might lead to you know domestic violence also and infidelity also right because yeah. you know when when do people do that usually yeah night out and stuff like that but I, I'm just thinking about in terms of like how things have changed now uh, the reason why I brought infidelities because I imagine is probably a lot more prevalent now than it was before because you know let's say when we were kids and stuff like that that there was no dms you know what i mean <laughs> there, there was no uh what's what's that what's that uh the cheater website is a cheater website yeah it's like for high profile people it's, you go on there because you're trying to cheat what yeah something's in list i forget mary's list or some shit like that yeah a bunch of people got outed a bunch of like politicians and stuff like that they they outed all of them like some hacker got into the i've never website. heard of this yeah mm-hmm Oh my god! Yeah, so like a bunch of people were like cheating, high like upper high power people, and all their accounts got outed. And this is like what you go and find other people there, or what? yeah, you find people who like want to cheat. Yeah, she just want to cheat with other cheaters. Yeah, I guess I don't know if they're all cheaters like on both sides, but one of them is at least a cheater. Wait, is it is it a platform where someone outs the cheater, or is it a, no, no. a platform for them to find to find a, to go like, on cheat? Oh, yeah. to go on cheater dates? Yeah, yeah, wow. basically, yeah. Oh, I guess that's transparent, at least, mm-hmm. for the yeah. <laughs> other party. Mm-hmm. That's so weird. All yeah, right. interesting, right? But, you know, now it's like, it's it sounds terrible, but cheating is more accessible. It is more accessible, but, accessible. yeah. And I think, but social media also has an impact in that same way of it's, uh, mm. we're also comparing each other all the time, right? So in the same Dude, way it yeah. affects a single person's, like, mental health about, like, how happy you are with this or that, or you know how content you are with things. It, it must also affect someone who's married. Ooh. Yep. So I gotta ask you this: you, when you're doing these divorce cases, how often do you go through their social medias? Often, if okay. I can find oh. it. So the reason why I ask you this is because this is my own personal observation: is that I notice couples. Or especially married couples who really talk about each other like frequently, extremely like frequent. Yeah. Where I'm like, damn, every f- fucking post, every other day is like a post about your significant other, how beautiful your relationship is. Usually, not too long after, I see those relationships fail, and this backstory behind them is pretty terrible. And to me, it seems almost like as if they're making up for something. Overcompensating? Yeah, yeah overcompensating, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? Like, oh, I love this person so much. It's like love bombing, but through social media, basically, yeah. you know? Like, so what? I was looking at your last episode, though, and mm-hmm. it was, uh, it, it did feel kind of bad, though, because you brought on Leia, and she was, Leia. Was, that, was that your last episode? Oh, Leia? Wait, Leia, the, the, the marriage, marriage therapist? therapist? Yeah. No, oh, that was a while ago. That was a while. Oh, okay, yes. so it popped up as the first one on the thing, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, I have to follow her, and I was like, she was like going through this like three and a half year divorce, and I was like, oh, now you bring on the divorce attorney. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's not why we did it. Our okay, last yeah. episode, our last episode was, it was uh, Justin, he, so he, he has kidney failure. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he's like going through dialysis, and like, just like. Figuring out how to navigate life having like that without, illness. With only having one kidney. Yeah. He only has one kidney. Born. Well, he wasn't. See, that's that, that part of the episode confused me because he was like, I was born with one kidney. But no. He, he said that he, he got removed when he was nine. Yeah. He but, got, but when he said it, he said he was born with oh, it. Okay. That's why I was like, huh? Wait, so what? But anyways, yeah. We were talking about that because we were, we were talking about. I think we we're talking about a lot of things that relate to our age now. Yeah. It's like people are getting sick people are getting divorced yeah so those are topics that we talk about and how to like navigate those conversations because you know uh we have a friend who like recently got divorced oh yeah and yeah like that that stuff is crazy because he he tells my parents are divorced 
Uh-huh. Right. My mom is twice divorced. So like I understand divorce from a, uh, you know, a uh, lens of a, a child. Right. Yeah. Or someone who's like, you know, but, um, to hear him say a lot of the things where I'm like, oh, I could have told you that. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, even though I'm not going to get married, I don't advocate against marriage. I'm just like, if that's what you want to do, yeah. by all fucking yeah. means, that's your fucking thing. You know what I mean? But he was saying some stuff to me when he was married, and I was like, you know what? I don't think that sounds like good. I don't want to be that friend who's like doubting their marriage already. <laughs> you know, I was one of his groomsmen. Yeah. And already I'm like, I don't know, bro. Like, this, that doesn't sound like, like you guys are gonna last, you know what I mean? But yeah. I'm not gonna bet against you because I want the best for you and I hope it works out. But at the same time, like, oh man, maybe you should think about this a little bit more, you know? How long were they dating before they got married? They were dating for a while. They were dating for six years and they mm-hmm. were married up until just this past year. So it was like 10, 11 years total they were together. Okay. So it was a while. And he's, he's, yeah, he's a uh, well, paralegal. <laughs> so <laughs> enough, yeah. Have, and, your, have your views on being married? And like getting divorced changed or have they always been the same? <clears throat> well, they've changed because I am married, not because I'm a divorce attorney, right? Yeah, like now I understand what it's like and it's you're in it versus like watching it from the outside. It's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But if you're asking about from the context of like my work, I don't think so. I'm I'm more asking like what are your views on yeah, just marriage and divorce? Yeah. Your your personal views. I'm for marriage, I think. Um, I get why it's an institution. Like, I, 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 I definitely do. And I don't want to say this in a negative aspect. I'm not trying to, like, comment on my love life or my husband's right. life. So take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. But, right? but when it's hard, it's hard. It, I guess this is why divorces are so messy and so difficult. And I do see this as like the benefit of why this is so difficult is because it forces you to stay in it. Um, like you cannot give up, right? Uh, you literally have to give it everything you've got. Uh, but that is, I guess, the whole institution of marriage. And it's like, you can't just take the easy way out. And and earlier I was like talking about like how my go-to thing is kind of like ghosting and like yeah. just, so I'm definitely like a, fight or flight like i i will just like leave like if i can just get out of it i will get out of it kind of thing like take the easy way out versus like stick into it and like have it out and work it out which is not good either right Mm -hmm. so i think that is one benefit of being married is that you cannot leave (laughs) (laughs) like or it's very difficult to leave but that's like i guess the point in a way what does that stem from your like flight response what do you mean what does that where does that stem from your flight response? Oh, I don't know. It's, it has to be with my parents, right? Yeah. It's like, that's, I, my big fear is being exactly like my mom, but I am exactly like my mom. <laughs> um, and my parents are actually going through a divorce right now. Oh, wow. And that don't is, tell me you're the. My, well, see, this is like when I said we were having family drama. So my parent, my dad initiated it last year. Um, and my mom took it very hard and I think she's blaming me for it in a way. What? Because I'm a divorce attorney. So she thinks that like, I must have talked my dad into uh-huh. this or I can talk him out of it if I want to. Oh. And no. so I have a, and so it's me. So yeah. she thinks that I'm driving it, even though I am not. But also like I did, like, so I gave them both an email, a separate email with like recommendations on like 
you should go with these one of these three attorneys or you should go with one of these three attorneys. But then when my dad asked about it, he didn't ask me like if he should get divorced. He asked me like, how do I do it? I said, contact this attorney kind mm -hmm. of a thing. So the fact that I had anything to do with it is like, like I'm to blame. And so we haven't spoken in the last like year or so. I don't even think she knows I'm pregnant. <laughs> oh, wow. But yeah, she's a, it's a fraught relationship right now. Yeah. I don't know that it'll change yeah. anytime soon. Like we were talking about this other friendship and relationship I had and, and about like, mm -hmm. you know, you hope that um, people will eventually realize you know, that maybe they were wrong and say sorry or things like that. My mom is not that person. <laughs> but also I am like very much not that person too. Like it, I have to work on it like all the time. And the biggest motivating factor of me trying to be any better is that I don't want to be like her sometimes. Like she is an amazing role model. She's great. She's a badass. She's like the smartest lady in the room. She's, uh, hugely ambitious, great worker, like so many things that I, that are just amazing. And any one of my friends who have met her and they all know her cause she's just, she is actually an amazing woman, but she's got a temper and she's very like, she's got her blinders on and once she sees something like that's it. And she's just like tunnel vision and her truth is her truth period oh, kind no of a thing. Yeah. So, it's just weird. Like I went to a fortune teller last week, actually, like mm. one of those Asian ones, you know, yeah. like are your parents into that. Uh, no, not really. really? But I've, I've seen it though. So my mom is like kind of into it. And so I've heard these like stories kind of growing up and she's like the year of the cat or mm. uh, rabbit, which is this year. And then oh, that's my year. This, this, oh, you're, it's a bad year for you. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, sorry. What? Really? <laughs> your year is always your bad year. Oh, really? Yeah. Fuck, I feel like every year's been my done. year. You're, you're almost done. Okay, almost there. Yeah. Um, I think it ends in February. Next year's the year of the dragon. So she's kind of always told me that um, when I was born, that the fortune teller told her that our our signs like or our stars or whatever don't mm. align and that we will always like bump heads. And we mm. do bump heads. We have the exact same personality and exact same temper. But I just like l about other things, though. Hmm. So I'm like the perfect 50-50 match of my parents. I like all the things my dad mm -hmm. likes. I'm like playful, social like him. I like drinking like him. Like, mm -hmm. But I have my mom's temper. I have her ambition. I have her stubbornness. Mm -hmm. I have all that stuff. And so we bump heads all the time. And she told me that like she she hates yellow gold, but she always had this like yellow gold ring with the dragon inscribed on it. Mm -hmm. And she said it was because the fortune teller told her that if she wore this, it would help like our relationship not be so like, mm. like, like fraught. And I, she had to have it until I was 18. And I think after I was 18, she uh, dyed it back to white gold, but she still kept it. And then, um, so that stuff is like just curious to me. Like, yeah. I don't know if that's why our relationship is the way it is, yeah. but we were really close for a long time up until the incident last year. And then oh. now that I'm having our daughter, she will technically be born at the year of the cat as well. <laughs> oh, wow. So I was like super nervous, not nervous, but just like, obviously it's like in my mind. So I went to go see a fortune teller about it kind of a thing. You gotta get that ring. Yeah, I was, well, he says he can't say anything yet until he knows when she's like born and mm. her actual birthday and time. But he said for the most part, it should be okay. But like his 
his takeaways for me from, from that session last week was he told me to relax and he told me um, to say sorry to my mom. Mm. And then he told me uh, to leave my husband alone. <laughs> Those were like his big three takeaways. I was like, okay. But so we talked about my mom a little bit and he said that she was like a queen in her past life or something like that. Oh, wow. She says that um, both of our personalities, she says, even though you're female, she was just like, you, like, I am 70% male and she is 80% male. Oh, so wow. we're both very, like, dominant mm -hmm. in a way. And so she was just like, she will never say sorry. So he was like, if you want a relationship with her, he was like, you have to do it. He was like, whether you're right or wrong, he's like, just do it. Just mm -hmm. do it and get it over with. And I'm just so much like, no, absolutely not. So we're both kind of, I just, I don't know. I'm still like kind of struggling with it. You seem like yeah. the kind of person who does extend olive branches though. That hasn't applied to this though. So, and is your dad not talking to you either? No, no. So I'm talking to my dad oh. and um, my mom made some very nasty remarks yeah. and it got to a point where I just like couldn't take it anymore. So I blocked her. And then she tried to get at me on email, so I blocked her again. And they tried to get me on that Facebook Messenger, which I just like, another reason why I'm off social media. Wow. Um, but then there was an incident between the two of them, and uh, she ended up getting arrested. So my olive branch was that I bailed her out. Yeah, and oh, wow. that's fair. That's good. All that stuff. But obviously, she's still my mom, and I love her and all yeah. that stuff. And um, she made one after I like had bailed her out and helped with that. Like, um, she called me and pretty much she said sorry but in the context but then immediately followed it with will you write my character letter for my criminal case kind of a thing yeah. so i was like sure which i did yeah. and then after that she kind of said if you want to talk i can talk but then she called again to yell at me about something else and so i haven't talked Ooh. to her since then so it's kind of just like i don't know how much more i can extend if if i'm not going to be met really halfway and i don't think that that limited interaction that we had is enough yeah and i'm also like kind of i'm like my husband's point is like i don't know that he wants our daughter to have that volatile of a relationship with like her grandma right like it's already hard enough for me to deal with as like a grown-ass adult yeah and trying to process but like if it's like a little kid mm -hmm. and not understanding like why grandma's angry at them one second to the next or like how she can like cut her off one second to the next like i don't want to have to be responsible for explaining that to her either mm. so i don't know that we're really sure like as a couple that we want that right now in her life are your parents uh are you first generation uh yeah so my parents were born here but doug and i were my brother and i were Oh, okay, but your parents your parents were born here? No, they were not. They were born in Vietnam. Uh -huh. Okay, I, I ask because I always notice with my friends, especially my Viet friends, that there's very similar stories in the sense of trying to talk to their parents, and it's always, it's the tunnel vision. Yeah. You know, and it's like, um, especially with the moms. The moms sometimes are very set in their ways, and there's no Asian talking. Asian moms are ruthless. Yeah. Ruthless. And it, it varies. There's some who are just like, kind of that part we said like 80% male. Like I, I've noticed with my friends, the ones who have issues speaking to their parents. And they, you come from a place where it's like, hey, you've developed this kind of different mindset and you have this education and you're kind of willing to like open up and like do a back and forth, apologize when you need to, talk about things, be vulnerable. Like you know what's right and kind of what's wrong in the sense of like this kind of like, you know, new age kind of way of thinking and you try and bring that into a uh, into 
a relationship with your parents who have, let's say, more old school thinking, who've grown up in a different country, you know, who've had to hustle here and like they've developed their own patterns of thinking. And there's just no, there's no bridge. You know, yeah. there's no, there's no meet me halfway here or even meet me three fourths of the way. Like I'll, I'll, I'll go a little extra mile. And the thing you said, where someone tells you just say sorry, you know, cause you know, they're not going to change. Dude, that is always the advice. That is yeah. literally always the advice. And from my own experience of hearing, cause I don't have that kind of experience with my parents, but from my Asian friends telling me, it's like, they'll apologize and they'll say sorry. And but they the, didn't do anything wrong. They didn't do anything wrong. And it's so, I, I've seen some people do have the experience where their parents change, but the majority of the time they don't. Yeah. And it, and it, it's so sad to me. Like I hate it. I hate hearing cuz like my experience with my parents like they've they've changed. Like in the same vein where you said you don't want to be like your mom in a lot of ways. I'm very much 50/50 my parents and the things about my dad, I never wanted to be like that and I've done my best to not be like that, but they've managed to meet me in certain things like oh okay, you've been willing to change with the times yeah. and with me. But when I hear my friends tell me and I'm like and I try and, and I try and give advice. I'm like, "Hey, like you know, go try and open up, try and do this, try and do that, and it doesn't work. And I, I, I feel at a loss to say like, what do you do next? Like, how do you, how do you reach out? How, what's the, what's the next step in co- trying to? Because there is, there has to be a next step. You have to eventually kind of like try and fix that relationship. Yeah. One for yourself, but two for your daughter too. That makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah. I would understand why your husband wouldn't want your grandma, like you know, your your mom to be like part of that life. But yeah. there is that. You know, at least for me, like, I'm like, maybe she'll change with, like, you know, having a grandkid. <laughs> and that's know, a lot. Man. I know that's a lot. It's just- if so, you would think so and you would hope so. And, but you would also hope, like, that things that she said, like, it's still mind blowing. Like, that's what my husband said. He's just like, I can't imagine that she would have ever said something like that to begin with and to do it multiple times. So it's kind of just like, there's no, there's no like expectation. That, like it's just like anything could happen at this point. And I do feel bad because I don't know how to fix it either. Because I feel like if I say sorry, like that I'm just kind of condoning it, right? Like yeah. she won't change. Yeah. And that's like, and I that just like bothers me. Like I cannot, I like I cannot have her think that like that was okay. But so I, it kind of right now it's unfortunate, but I think it falls on my husband to kind of navigate it Hmm. and so he is the only one who's like kind of she's so petty so she (laughs) she talks to him but not you well so our birthdays are six days apart my husband and i were six days apart so for the last two years she did not say happy birthday to me or anything like that but on his birthday six days later she texts him and says happy birthday oh wow tells him that they should go get lunch or something because then she's busy and all that stuff and so he is like annoyed about it because that she's being so petty because he understands it at the same time but then he also like is still sweet to her because he has a lot of respect for her. And he also wants to mend it somehow. So Mm. he's trying to figure out, he's keeping that door open, but it is a lot of pressure on him. And, and so it's kind of fallen on him right now. Is is she lashing out? I'm assuming she's lashing out because of pain, right? Because she's hurt. I think so. That's what I would assume. Yeah. You know, it makes sense, especially if she's a super competent, um, go-getter, you know, very smart mom like to have that happen in like the later years of your life i'm assuming she's flashing she's hurt my like my overall opinion about it is that i think like especially that generation like this is maybe over generalizing it but i think that like all of our like tiger moms and all that stuff they're fucking fierce right they're like super confident they're like these crazy amazing women and they're smart but 
I don't know if it's because of the cultural aspect or whatever. I do feel like there is, they're just not as emotionally yes. developed. Yes, that is exactly like it. Intellectual, like like actual book smart intellectuals or street smart intellectuals, yes. one thing. But your like emotional intelligence is like a different thing. And in like this culture, it's like we're huge on like emotional development and yes. like, sensitivity and all that stuff. And and that's something that like we value and we are constantly thinking about. But for them, I don't think it's there. A hundred percent. We've actually talked about this with other guests too, who have immigrant parents. And it feels like, especially with immigrant parents, there is this stunting of emotional development. Yeah. You know that, and for obvious reasons. You know, you live in third world countries. You go through war. There's other things that you your brain prioritizes prioritizes instead of like developing the emotions you need to like you know, have these kind of like difficult conversations. Yeah. And it's, it's a struggle with like all of us. Like I, I've seen it in my own parents and I've tried to like help them out where I can mm-hmm. with different issues, obviously, but I notice it with all the immigrant parents and it's just the thing. And for me, it's like, would you guys ever consider like going to therapy together? Like would that ever, would she ever be willing to do that? So yeah, a, th- a thousand percent would. I think she needs to go to therapy on her own, yeah. but together fine i'm totally for it i'm like and i think she her suggestion was she wanted to go to a mediator yeah Hmm. which is not therapy based right that's like argument based Mm -hmm. yeah so it's like fine whatever i like honestly like don't care i would do it if she was willing to do it kind of a thing but i don't yeah, I just, I really don't know when I, when I think about this situation, this, it's like hard. There's this taboo, at least, you know, especially with our last guest and a lot of my Asian friends tell me about like mental health. Sometimes like, like if you have some kind of mental health issues or even like saying you need to go to therapy, there's this kind of weird taboo on it. Like, no, we especially don't do that. for Yeah. Yeah. Mental, like, I mean, one way of thinking about it is, I was trying to explain this to someone else once, but I feel like. I'm not going to overgeneralize and say it's an Asian thing, but I know specifically with my mom, the way that she views mental health and all that stuff and like your emotional maturity, it's being emotional is a luxury, right? So when you're coming from like a, a, not like that Vietnam's like third world or anything, but when you're going through like harsher struggles, like Mm -hmm. your brain capacity, your muscle capacity, all that stuff is like, you have to be so much focused on like other things. You just got to get through it. Yep. Like, you can't complain. You don't have time to be depressed. You just got to fucking get through your day, like, mm-hmm. make the money, survive, feed the kids, all that stuff. And it's, like, you don't have time to, like... Be sad or depressed. Yeah, you don't. Like, that's that's a luxury, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, being depressed yeah. is a luxury. <laughs> like, that's how I think that she feels about it or, like, how and maybe how people in general feel about, like when Asian cultures are kind of like a mental, mental health is like, you're weak. Yep. It's it's like, I feel like it's a sign of weakness. Yep. Oh, I, I think. Which I don't least, agree with. Yeah. yeah but, <laughs> at least for Vietnamese people and just speaking on my own experience, like maybe if we're talking about feelings that are more negative in the way that's like soft, like, like depressed or sad, then they would view it as like weakness because you have also the other negative emotions like anger, right? Yeah. Which they don't view as weakness. They actually kind of use it as like a strong point to yeah. them, right? Where it's like, I'm going to yell over you. Right? Yeah. I'll be more aggressive. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that's also like a negative thing. They just don't use it they in that same yeah. light, yeah. right? Because they use that as like maybe fuel or ammunition to whatever they're trying to 
you know, achieve. Yeah. Right? Whether it's like leaving a country and building a new life, they got to have like that chip on their shoulder where like, oh, I got to go. Fire, out. Right? Yeah, that yeah, fire, yeah. you know. <clears throat> in a way, it's like you're, you're kind of forced to because imagine, yeah, I say this all the time. If I had lived the lives that my, you know, my mom and dad did, knowing what I know, I probably would be depressed, you know, like, like, it's hard. I, I spoke to my mom about, because uh, we went on like a boat recently, spread like my cousin's ashes out in La Jolla. And uh, everyone got seasick because the boat was fucking rocking like crazy. And my mom wasn't really seasick at all. And she was like, oh, you know, it was way worse when we came over here by boat. Right. And then during that time, she was pregnant with me. And she had told me during in that boat, there's like the lower floor, which it was just jam packed full of people and the upper floor, which she was one of the few people up there because she was pregnant. But it, so it means that she wasn't where all the throw up and all the feces was. But at the same time, she was out in the sun every single day, just constantly being sunburnt, you know. Yeah. And my mom, like I could tell. Generally is a very soft person. But because of the life that she had lived, it, she has to be tough about certain things. You know what I mean? It's really hard for her to – like if she were to be born in the time that we were born here, she'd be a different person, a uh, slightly different person. She'd be more open and more vulnerable about certain things. You know, yeah. It's really hard for her to say that she's like sad about things. But I can tell. You yeah. mean, it comes out in different ways. So same thing how it's like, oh, yeah, if someone says they're depressed or show that they're sad, it's like weakness. But then – they're obviously lashing out and throwing a tantrum. Yep. And that's also very, very bad and toxic too. It's so crazy. You get to this age where you see sometimes your parents like arguing or lashing out or whatever. And I'm like, holy shit, they're throwing a tantrum. Mm-hmm. Like this adult ass human being is throwing a tantrum. Acting they're like not a child. able to, yeah, they're not able to process their emotions and they're lashing out verbally or whatever way. Mm-hmm. And you see it. And you, it's like when you get to see your parents as you know real people like there's that kind of like idea you have of them as being like invulnerable or invincible or always right as a kid you know they're your your caretaker your protector your guardians but you get old enough and you're like you see their flaws you see their mistakes you see like who they are as people and you realize i'm like damn there's stuff that they're not like dealing with Mm -hmm. yeah there's stuff they're not able to like you know internalize and like kind of heal yeah and it to me like it it's been it's been one of the things i'm like can I help them? Like, am I able to like I mean, help them get to that level? Like, what can I do? You know, as, as being someone for me, like I'm the oldest, you know, I feel like I have responsibility to take care of my family, especially with what I've learned with how I've helped heal myself and become yeah. a better version of myself. And I'm like, can I help my family do that as well? Can I help them take that step for themselves? I think a part of it is that the kind of person that they were or still are is what got them to where they are now. And for them to change that is to say that that person is wrong. And that's really difficult, you know? Obviously, times have changed, right? You're not on a fucking boat from Vietnam coming here anymore, you know? Like, you don't need to be this hardened person. But it takes a lot. You know, it's similar, I'm sure, with your mom. Like, being a person who's very ambitious, smartest person in the room, for her to be like, I'm sure just to even hear about divorce, like, whoa, did does that mean that I did something wrong? Is that why it's not working out? You know what I mean? Like if I'm talking to you, like if I admit that I'm wrong, that means that something that I did before that got me to this point of where people view me as ambitious and smart yeah. is not 100% correct. I feel like that's that's a tough pill to swallow for a lot of parents. You know, like, uh, one thing that, especially for Asian parents, is that, or my parents specifically, they don't know how to say sorry. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Saying sorry means that you're you're wrong. 
but also know? like i think just culturally too that like divorce is like not okay it, yeah. it's getting oh, it's yeah. more it's like getting more i think of a thing i'm not sure about whatever the statistics are and stuff but i just know in general that it's like pretty rare for our parents generation mm-hmm. to begin with to even like get a divorce right it's super taboo mm-hmm. it's super like it's a very negative thing and i think that that also has something to do with it. it's not something that they, neither of them were equipped to process i think on top mm-hmm. of like it's a it's a big emotional like situation for anybody in any context but also i think for like the asian american context yes i think specifically asian americans too because I've talked about this with Mario. I think if my parents stayed in Vietnam, they probably would have not gotten divorced. You're right. Yeah. Not to say that they'd be happy. They'd probably yeah. be miserable. Exactly. But <laughs> they would not have gotten divorced. You know, and another case, which I've talked about on this podcast too, is my grandparents, like so that's my cousin Vin. My grandparents my grandma wanted a divorce from my grandpa. Yeah. They're like, I don't know, in their eighties or something like that. It's crazy, right? And <sighs> this is kind of like a funny story because you know Mario knows the story, but like my grandma developed like dementia, right? And and during this time, my grandpa had cancer. Well, my grandpa got cancer first, and you know we went to go see him. He was like on his deathbed, and then he was like, "Well, I'm gonna, if I'm gonna die, I'm just gonna die with my family." So he went home, and eventually he got better, right? This <laughs> this is really weird. He's supposed to die. He gets better. He, he he's in a wheelchair, and then you know you know a year later, he's like walking on with a cane, and now he. Does he need to use a cane? He's like carrying groceries. I'm just like, what the hell? And my grandma, she was like, I don't want to even be in the same room as him, which is why she wants to get divorced. But because she got dementia and she has a hard time remembering things, she goes back to a time where like she doesn't feel that resentment and hate towards him, where they oh. kind of like are coupley again. <laughs> right? Oh. Really weird. And the only person that has all that free time to take care of her is him. And now he's healthy enough to like kind of be around her. It's like a weird irony. <laughs> It's very strange. It is very strange. Yeah. You know, like, I'm, I'm not saying dementia is a good thing, but, you know, maybe there's some pros to it. You know what I mean? Are you advocating for dementia here? I'm not <laughs> advocating for it. It's not like I could push you to get dementia. You know what I mean? But, but also at the same time, like, the fact that my ignorance grandma. is bliss. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess in this case, you know, and it's not like she's trying to be ignorant. It's just so happens that the condition is causing that, right? And, yeah. and you know, again, going back to what I was saying about my parents, I do not think that my grandma would have even considered the idea of divorce had she not come to America. See, that's, what? Like, that's yeah. like kind of goes back to the comment about like, I mean, I believe like that is the institution of marriage, right? Mm-hmm. It does this. It like forces you to stick it out through like thick and thin with this person and to like not give up on them like but because divorce is kind of an option and and such a prevalent option i think for a lot of people it's like changing the game of like relationships and things like that and how Mm. you how you view that stuff but yeah yeah. and i and maybe that's why it's so hard for my mom to process this too because it's just like that's probably why she blames i don't know if that is i'm just guessing right because this is what i do for a living and so now i've made it so available to my dad (laughs) and so it's my fault but had i just stayed out of it or whatever then like they would still be together how is your dad by the way how's he doing he's doing good um he's he's focused on so my grandma's kind of going through the same thing where she like recently had a fall and Mm. then like um we found that she had all this cancer everywhere and we kind of thought she was on this door. And then she, um, her one last wish was like to go back to Vietnam and like, she wanted to kind of be there. But so to get there though, we 
kind of had to incentivize her be like you need to eat you need to like actually get better like you have to be healthy enough to travel mm -hmm. so she just got better and slowly got better and then she did make it to Vietnam and then she um wanted to come back here though because all of her kids are here so she doesn't actually want to die there yeah so she's been here since and my dad's just been focused on her and oh, taking care good. of her and she's like kind of doing better um so outside of that i mean it's good that he has her and yeah there was like some guilt from my dad for a while mm. and he he it's a sad situation. Yeah. It's not necessarily what he wants, but yeah. the way that their relationship is, I think he realizes it. It's like, it is really toxic. And they're both at a point where they're like 60. I think my mom's probably 58 or 59 and my dad's like 62. So they're, they've still got a decent way to go, right? Yep. And I don't want either of them to be miserable and to make each other miserable. Yeah. So yeah. if they can find happiness elsewhere, I think they should, because they clearly have not been finding each, in each other in mm -hmm. this entire time. And I think my dad's finally realized it at this point that that's where it is, because he's always loved my mom, and I think he still loves my mom. He just like, but he cannot, he is doesn't want to live the rest of his life like Is that. he like softer, more? My dad's very soft. Okay. Oh. It's always. My dad's so sweet. I don't know why it is. Like, is it always, I always see it's like the, the, I don't know what the word is, but it's like the assertive Vietnamese woman with the soft Vietnamese guy. Yeah. And that, that's so many of the parents, like of, like my friends, like parents, it's always like that. Really? My, yeah. my parents are not like that. My yeah, dad's like the assertive yeah, really? My mom's like yeah. the softy. Yeah. And very similar, you know, when my parents were going through the divorce. And this is what I have to say about that situation, right? Like my parents went through, it was like an eight-year separation, got divorced around like when I was 16. And very similarly, like my dad blamed me for the divorce. And one of the reasons why was because like eventually when my mom finally left, she actually asked me. She was like, should I leave? Yeah. And, you know, being like a 15, 16 year old, I was like, I think you should. I was like, I don't think you're happy. And I don't think this is good for either of you guys. Exactly. You know? Yeah. But then my dad, you know, held a little bit of resentment towards me for a while because he was like, you're the reason why we're not together. Because like, you could have talked her out of it. Yeah. But also in my head, I'm like, yeah, I might be the reason that, you know, because maybe they would stay together if I say that, right? But I'm you're also not, not the, the Maybe not. You yeah. know, I, I you're can't You're the really. scapegoat. You're yeah. not yeah, the yeah. reason. Yeah, I, 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 I can agree with that. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is I know I'm not the reason why they were unhappy, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like whether they stayed together or not, being unhappy is like a totally different conversation. That's on them as their relationship, you know, the, the issues that they had to take care of. <clears throat> but... I mean, I think now, the, I think the main difference between what you're going through and what I went through, which which is why it's, it would be hard for me to give you any kind of advice. I don't think I'm in a position to anyways. <laughs> but um, what I had to deal with my dad holding that against me, very similar to how your mom was holding it against you, it took forever for me to get into a healthy relationship with my dad, for him to understand that I'm not his enemy. I'm not here to make you unhappy. I wasn't there to destroy your marriage. Yeah. I, I actually love you and I did it out of the fact that I do think you guys are better off, you know, not together. Yeah. And um, it's weird. The way I approach it now is I just smother my dad with love. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. It's like he, this is my way out because I, I, you know, I have siblings, right? And they don't know how to deal with them because he'll throw like tantrums. He'll just go out nowhere and be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you don't fucking love me. You don't give a shit about me. And, you know, like, 
I don't yeah. know if your mom does that, but yeah, my, my dad will do that. And I'll just, in a way, kind of treat my dad like a child and just smother him with love. I'll be like, oh, dad, you're so funny. Like, <laughs> you think it's my fault? Come on. You know, you know. See, I'll give him a kiss on the forehead and then, like, he'll shove me. I'm like, oh, please, you don't mean that. And then he, he after a while, he just gives up. He's just like, oh. Like he'll be like you're so annoying, you know, <laughs> and he can't do anything about it. And and you know, at, at first it took a while for me to build that thick skin to not let those words affect me. Yeah. Because at first when he would say shit like that, I would be defensive. You know, be like, I'm, it's not my fault. What are you talking about? Like, you really want to argue about this? And I got to a point where I was like, oh, actually, me being correct or not doesn't change how he feels. So I approached it in a way where it's like, how can I make it to where he can't even be mad at me? Even if he tried, it would just make him look like a lunatic, right? And I, holy shit, that's, that's fucking genius, Peter. Yeah, and that's why I did. And <laughs> and then yeah, it's impossible for him to get mad at me now. And then my parents are always, or my siblings are always like, "Oh, your dad just likes you more." I'm like, "No, I'm just not arguing back against him." You know what I mean? I, I just, I'm just like, okay, this is negative energy. Let me just divert it to something else. And uh, yeah, but I don't know how it's gonna work out with your mom. You know, every family is different. You yeah. know, we categorize like Asian parents and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But you know, this this is also from you know 16 to now 36 you know it's taking 20 years to kind of get to this point it's so i was gonna say you were dealing with us at 16 but how long did it take for you to get there i mean i would say our relationship became more like that within the past like five six years so it took like 14 years but it's gotten better because my skin is getting thicker meaning like he still says stuff from time to time you know yeah and while it does bother me to a certain degree. I'm able to check myself and like be like, hey, like remember what you said. Like, don't argue back with them. Run around the ring. You're already winning. Time him out, you know? <laughs> Smother him with love. That is like some next level Dude, like right? is it maturity, really? I guess, that I am yeah. not I'm just not there. Yeah, it's it's really weird because you know, like I'm That's giving, amazing, I'm giving this guy yeah. kisses on the forehead. He he's like <laughs> <laughs> he wants to act like he's not enjoying it. He's like, mm, you know. <laughs> but I'm like, you ain't that mad. Like, let's don't lie to yourself. You're not that mad. You're forcing yourself to be more mad than you really are. Does yeah. he still hold any resentment towards you at all? Like- I'm sure maybe with certain triggers, it yeah. might bring it back up. But it's rare. You know, it's not nearly as common as it used to be. That makes me really happy. Where it's like, I, Peter comes from a very broken family. Like, there's a lot of shit that's happened to him. To get to this point, it's like, damn, like, I love that, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I always I always feel like there is the capacity for change for anyone. Like, no matter how, what kind of lifestyle you had, how you've grown up, even if you've come and you have this whole other mindset, like, there is, like, I, and I think it's, it sounds fucked up, but it, we have the responsibility, even though they are older and they're supposed to be our parents, there's just stuff where they're so emotionally stunted where it's like, we have to be the ones to, like... Mm-hmm. The bigger person, bigger person, extra mile, reach out. Yep. Even when they fuck up, like okay, let's see how like I can like work this out. Like same here, like tire them out, do it with love, like choose love. A thousand percent, I understand that my mom's just looking for someone to be on her side, yeah. right? Like she just wants that. But she's wrong. So oh, yeah. like, <laughs> it's okay. so hard. We'll, we'll get back to this conversation <laughs> a year from now and see where it goes. Right? So it's like, that's yeah, not the point. It's, but I know that's, that's not the, the thing. Point. It's like I have to be big enough where I can like not 
I can let what she says roll off and mm-hmm. just yeah. take it for what it is. And it's just her lashing out and whether it's true or not true. Like, but for me, I'm at a point where I'm just like, you fucking said it. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, here it is in writing. I can read it over and over and over again. Like, look at all the stuff you said. Like that is like so abusive in a way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and I'm supposed to forgive you for like, it yeah. just, uh, yeah. I, I think it, uh, this is my own projection on just the very brief amount that I've like learned about you and everything too, but you're about to become a mother. I know. You know, there are things, your child's obviously not going to be right. You know, there's not, being right or wrong is not the point. Yeah. You know, there's things where you're going to have to be like, oh, okay, you know, they did this, you know, you have to choose like how to like act with them, choose love, you know, be, be a mom. Yeah. And I, I think that kind of applies to your mom oh too. Oh you, the fortune teller, and my <laughs> I think it kind of does, you know, where it's like, clearly she's lashing out. She's saying stupid shit. She's wrong. Yeah. But that doesn't matter because at the end of the day, it's like being right or wrong is over here. Like trying to like develop and have a relationship with your mom is something else where it's not going to matter where it's right or wrong. And I know for you, it's different because like you said, you are like her, you know? I know. Being right or wrong matters to you. You're a lawyer too. Like, you're, I assume you're more logically based. Like, the way you think is, you know, it matters whether something is correct or not. But in certain situations like this, especially with like having, being a mom or having a child and, you know, having a mom and being the person who's more emotionally developed, it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. I know. The high road. It matters how you, (laughs) it matters how you manage to cultivate those relationships choosing to be petty i understand yeah. that. <laughs> it's a choice that's uh, good guys <laughs> yeah. did, wait so did you see that in korea it's like a really big thing is like they ask you what your mbti is no yeah so i did my test last night just mm-hmm. to like prepare or whatever yeah. but if like i think you guys spoke about it in one of your other episodes or whatever mm-hmm. you both know what you are yeah but it's like a big thing there they mm. ask about it and they're like super into it what's your career yeah, in Korea, it's oh, like a thing. It's like a icebreaker. It's like a point of conversation. It's like, yeah, it's like a big thing that they're super curious about. Wait, what's what's your what's your my your MBTI? Uh, I think I did it yesterday. It was like IST the J? the logic one. Yeah, J okay. or whatever. Oh. I need you're, to like read up more on it. You're I'm probably not, like, like ENTP or something. You're it definitely was e. it was, and then it changed. I recently yeah. did it like a month ago. It's changed. Oh, yeah. So wait, what are what are you? I forget. You're, I, e, I you're always E though. You're huh? for sure always E. E? Besides e. the bigger person, oh. apparently. He's an extrovert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I am INFP. What is that? Uh, introvert something. The mediator. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Mr. Isaac, I should say sorry. <laughs> but that's interesting. Hmm, Korea. Well, I guess I'll, I'll see you this time. Since it's just me and like one buddy going this time. So I'll, like... Who are you going with? With my uncle. Oh, okay. So I'm going to make it, I think, to like... Yeah interact with people the yeah. locals and stuff don't get trash. friends. <laughs> i don't think i will you should i oh. wish i could get trash no, no yeah. I, I mean i mean i'll have time for it you know it's just <laughs> three more months yeah because right now i'm like on the sober because no. then you need to breastfeed too oh you need to breastfeed too yeah and then i'm like super nervous because it my i don't have the asian glow i don't mm. know if, uh, but um but your my, husband does no <laughs> <laughs> my husband told me so many times he was like if you had that gene we would never have been together and i was like okay alcoholic <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but no he's right um my mom's side has it where they like can't really process the mm. alcohol and stuff so my brother gets super red and things like that so i'm just like so terrified that she might not have <laughs> the like gene that. and like any little thing it's because it's technically poison it is like yeah. when you it don't have the poison. gene it's like you're literally yep. poisoning yourself yeah. on top of like alcohol being bad in general but mm-hmm. like i don't know i'm like too freaked out to try that on her <laughs> yeah i mean that's far down the line anyways yeah so figure that out and i feel like the 
new generation now, alcohol is not really as prevalent as it used to be. Here? I think oh, I disagree. General, I think people drink more now than ever. You're talking about younger people like Gen Z and I think all people. Right? I mean... I think there... I mean, the trend seems to be that people are like all that non-alcoholic beer and like... Yeah, like yeah mocktails and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. I think it is more socially accessible to not drink lately. Yeah. I heard they, we have a subculture in Orange County of drinking. There's like a drinking subculture. I'm sure. But there was like a, you know, being in events and stuff, there there was like a like a survey and they asked like a bunch of venues and like alcohol sales are down like by 70%. Oh. Like at venues and stuff. And then literally I would read comments. Because they all pregame outside. Yeah, I would, I would read comments and they would say certain things like that too. Like one, it was like, oh, drinks are like more expensive now than ever. Some people don't feel the need to drink, you know? Yeah. There's, there's like a combination of things. A lot of, yeah, because I think when you go out, a lot of it is like pressure. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like, I think it depends on the age too because now I've gone to the age where like, especially my friends who know me, they don't even ask really. When I tell them I'm not drinking, they don't even ask why really anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think like, five years ago be like super weird right oh yeah of course like, i think that's what's trickling down to the new generation though. it's like just it being okay for you not to drink right socially acceptable when yes yeah, like hey yeah, not, not drinking today like, no no yeah yeah it's not a big deal Which, but honestly i'm one of those people who would i would like if i would ask why <laughs> yeah. like i shouldn't but i would be like oh, why i think it just depends <laughs> i just need to i probably need to yeah. stop i mean yeah. I, I think it depends though like if, if you don't know the person well then yeah. then i can see why asking why and maybe during different situations too, right? Like, let's say we all go to like grab dinner after this, right? And then you don't eat. I'd probably be like, why are you not eating? You know what I mean? <laughs> Same thing as like you're at a bar. Like, why are you not drinking, right? But yeah. if you're telling me like, oh, you've been fasting or you ate early, I'd just be like, all right, cool. Like, not a big yeah. Deal. yeah. There's it just no judgment, but it is, mm-hmm. yeah. It is interesting when you do know someone who has a history of like, like, obviously, a lot of the people we meet, we meet out mm-hmm. and things like that, and you're used to seeing them in that environment. Mm-hmm. Then when you catch up with them again and they're not drinking, it's kind of just like, oh, did something happen? Mm-hmm. Mm, well, catching up is different. I think I would ask why for a lot of things if I'm catching up, right? Yeah. Not just the reasons why you're not drinking. Like, oh, oh, you're on a diet. Like, why? You know what I mean? Like, is it weight loss? Is it muscle gain? Like, things like that. Or like, oh, you, you're meditating. I'd probably ask why, you know? There's, <laughs> yeah. there's definitely going to be whys if you're catching up. But as far as like someone that you don't have to catch up with and they tell you one time, especially at this age, if you're adults, it's going to be okay for people to not really. It, it should it. be okay. It I should think, be. Yeah. When, so when this all happened, like obviously people I would ask me and stuff like that. But even before that, I think like after COVID, there was like a month where like, you know, where people like would be like dry whatever month mm-hmm. or something. Like I would take a break and like just not drink. And then, but I just, people would have just assumed that I was pregnant. Oh, really? <laughs> it's right? that time in your life, you know? Because right? yeah. when you're a girl mm-hmm. and you've been married for a while, if you're not drinking all of a sudden, it's like people are suspicious for like the wrong reasons oh. and things like that. So I made sure when this time came around, like I would have like, I would like, I remember I went to one work event and it was like a, a beer event and I like had a can of like the zero alcohol mm-hmm. Heineken oh, like Jules. in my pocket oh. <laughs> and would like dump out their beer and pour in the other beer because it would be so weird to explain why I wasn't like oh, my coworkers so would instantly be like she's pregnant and then yeah. that would circulate or, like or something like mm-hmm. you know like I was so nervous about like them knowing that's so interesting my friends have been conditioned to know that like I go on these stints of like no alcohol yeah and it's just literally just because I want to yeah and now they don't even like really ask so, like, which oh, is good that's like yeah yeah. A healthier habit, but mm-hmm. 
I guess I was an alcoholic or something. You so are. Suspicious. I mean, <laughs> you are. You are. <laughs> I mean, I drink a lot too. It, it takes a while to kind of break that like stigma. Yeah. You know, because like I'm the guy that I think last time I saw you, I was drunk. You know what I mean? I think was that's like I think I was like outside dental phone or something like that. Yeah. You were drunk. Yeah, I was drinking right outside dental phone. Oh. We had a bottle that we were passing around outside. <gasps> Yes. Yeah. Oh, when I saw yes. That's when I saw you. Yeah. So it wasn't the naked man in the parking lot. It was lot. not the naked man. <laughs> yeah. No, no. That is. I remember we were there. We were drinking. Yeah. That's Literally. when we would go to Din Tai Fung after a call, the last night was at commissary. Yeah. Wake up Saturday morning. Go to Din Tai Fung. Order a bunch of Jameson shots. Yeah. We we emptied, we out, emptied out, out the, the bar. Yeah, they ran out of Jameson, so we had to go buy a bottle and drink out in the parking. Yeah. Not even the parking lot. We were at the trash can, like. Drinking. It was on the little the little chairs. And stuff yeah, yeah. Okay. So I mean, <laughs> that's how you know we were, and now you know even the guys who drink all the time, they they take breaks and they understand. You know? Yeah. Because like, don't get me wrong, we we neglect our health still, but to some extent, we're trying to be somewhat like responsible because we understand like if there is any longevity in drinking, which sounds kind of crazy, that you know you kind of have to take care of yourself sometimes. You know what yeah. I mean? Like people who are out three or four days after a hangover they're not drinking they're, they're just you know too fucked up to do anything so they're like okay maybe i need to like it hits you check. so much harder as you get older like it's so <laughs> hard the other thing i learned with this journey with like her and all that stuff mm-hmm. is like we definitely take our health for granted oh yeah mm-hmm. how, how did you figure that well well you were pregnant. it's kind of just like so i think earlier you mentioned there was someone else on the podcast and they had like one kidney or something like that mm-hmm. so now that like i'm going through all this with her it's kind of just like at every point, you're just making sure, like, do you have like ten toes, ten fingers, like just like the like the basics. And then one of the things on one of the so there's like this anatomy scan that comes at the 20 week mark, and it's like a, a big test where they measure uh, like the brain, the heart, like the length of her like femur, and like mm. uh, all this stuff. They check for the kidneys. Someone like and there are all these posts with these like so you're kind of following along on these different boards and things like that where like like weekly updates and what moms have questions on or all th- and like there were like quite a few posts about like went to my anatomy scan only well, has one kidney kind <gasps> of a thing and i'm like this is a thing oh my god Ooh. like you know it, yeah, but it could happen funny. and it's just like so many things could happen like it could there's literally so many things that could happen and that's like the stuff that they can catch and then once they're born there's all the stuff that they can't catch and yeah. then the things right out like it's just like to have to be normal and like healthy is like, so it's like, it's kind of like amazing how many things have to line up for that to happen. Yeah. Are you scared? Are you excited? Yeah. <laughs> scared and excited. Okay. It was like I was like kind of holding my breath for the first, I think up until like the last month or so. I, mm. I until I passed the anatomy scan was like a big thing for me, um, and then, and then also because I wasn't that big and I had no symptoms in the beginning. So I didn't feel pregnant, I didn't look pregnant. And then when you do the IVF process, um, for the first like from week six to week 12, you're getting like weekly ultrasounds and you're going into the doctor every week. So I we could see her and we could see her mm-hmm. every week get bigger. But then once you graduate from that, you're just on a normal cycle. So we don't get to see her anymore. Mm. And like, I was just always wondering like, you know, is she there? Everything's okay <laughs> like, still. Yeah. If you go and you do a workout and you're like breathing really hard, like, like sounds morbid, but like, did I kill her? Like, like, <laughs> oh. like you know, like you're just like, I don't yeah. know. Like what, like so many things could go wrong. Like, yeah. like was she missing oxygen for that? Like half yeah. a second that I couldn't breathe mm-hmm. and like all this stuff. Yeah. And like, so now that it's like, she's like, I'm bigger, I can see it. And like, I can feel her kicking. It's like great. And when I can't like, so throughout the day, if like I can't feel her, then I get like a little nervous. Paranoid. But yeah, it's like, 
Yeah. You're going to do great, Denise. Uh, little you. little Maria Kohler is going to come out, <laughs> <Okay>. right? <laughs> little Helen Keller. Helen Keller. I cannot believe I didn't. No one has said that yet. Oh, really? That's great. Right. Yeah, that's you can call her H, you know? <sighs> yeah, first thing I thought well, of. So just, I'm sure Greg will jump on that one. Yeah. Hey, guys. Welcome to the lightning round, where we ask our guests some rapid fire questions. Denise, are you ready? No, but I don't think that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's pretty, it's pretty difficult. Okay. Three, two, one. What's your favorite color? White. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Oh, your husband. It's the absence. Uh, oh, okay. oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, uh, favorite food? Vietnamese uh, food. Okay. What, what dish? Uh, I really like bun uk. I like anything smothered in fish sauce. Oh. I like anything that's the vehicle for the fish sauce to get inside me. That's One of my friends <laughs> tells me that... <laughs> Vehicle. Yeah. Get One of my friends tells me that Vietnamese, uh, the nook mom is what makes people uh, Vietnamese people so crazy. Yeah, that's salt. Yeah. I think it's yeah, it definitely has some. It like preserves all of our anger. <laughs> um, if you were a DJ, what would your DJ name be? DT. Okay. Super um, easy. If you could change anything about yourself physically, what would it be? I was just taller. Me too. <laughs> Um, who is someone you would want to have a dinner with, um, dead or alive? I'm obsessed with this one K-drama right now, so that this guy's all I can think about. Which one? <laughs> His name is Roboon. Roboon. Okay. I don't know. He's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, K-dramas. <laughs> when was your first kiss? Uh, Stefan, Rob, and I was a sophomore in high school. Oh, wow. Yeah. Another half white guy, <laughs> half white, half Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> At least there's a Latino there. <laughs> um, when was your first heartbreak? Also him. Oh, oh. Yeah. What's the hardest thing you've ever had to do? <sighs> Stay married. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, not law school in general. Law school is fun. It was passing the bar. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what's one thing you hope for your daughter? That we will have a good relationship. Okay. And then my last question for you is, what is one goal you have for this year that you want to accomplish? I would like to see something slightly different happen in my career. I don't know what it is. I just feel like I don't, I want to make a move somehow, not say stagnant with my firm still in the same way, but just, I want to make sure I'm continuing to develop somehow. Okay. What is one thing that you struggled with this year that you're hoping to improve? My relationship with my mom. <laughs> mm. What is one thing that you found yourself optimistic about when you were younger that you're not so optimistic about now? I guess my family life. I think I took it for granted that I would be able to, you know, get married at a certain age, have kids at a certain age and blah, 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 and knock all that stuff out. And then I think this journey with having to do IVF and stuff, it was, um, it wasn't obviously something I had anticipated at that young age. What would you say is a non-negotiable in a healthy marriage? Affection. Oh. What is your love language? Acts of service. Mm. And do you think love is necessary in a marriage? And that's hard to answer in a Ooh. successful marriage. Like you can be married and be miserable. Mm -hmm. True. <laughs> it's still marriage. True. So in a successful marriage, yes, but for marriage, no. Mm. Okay. Partnerships don't necessarily require romance or love or commitment. It's, it could be so many different reasons. Agreed. Agreed. And for my last question, 
the person that you were before you were married and the person that you are now that you're married was the biggest change? I don't know how to put this in a non-negative way. <laughs> <laughs> but not less hopeful, I think. I think you're before you get married, it's super blissful. And mm. then I think as you, and I don't necessarily know that it's the marriage aspect so much as like just being with someone and the more you go through. And I think we've had COVID and, and mm. like fertility issues and jobs and all that stuff. It's kind of just, there's relationships take work. And I think you kind of take that for granted in the beginning. It's just, there's so much work that has to go into it. And, um, so much of trying to be the bigger person and trying to understand somebody else. So that part of me, I think, is changing and um, is different than who I was at the start of it. Mm. And I hope it keeps changing because it's not going to work if it doesn't, right? Mm. But yeah. All right, guys, that concludes our lightning round. I want to say thank you to our great guest, Denise. Thanks thank you so me. much for coming on. You're amazing. No, you guys are amazing. I was just telling uh, Peter that this is an interesting format because I think I'm used to like the attorney-client privilege bubble yeah. and this is the exact opposite where it's like <laughs> super public, but you guys do this like on a weekly basis yeah. or episode basis. You're sharing a lot and there's so much to be vulnerable about. Yeah. So Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing too. Yeah. Like it's it, it takes something to do that, you know? Yeah. Thanks for having me. Is there anywhere, anything, you know, you want us to find you, you, your dog? <laughs> uh, still off social media, but if you wanted to follow George, you could follow him. It's at Weenie George, W-E-I-N-I-E George. Um, his Instagram is on. I haven't been posting, but I probably will soon. You can see what a horrible big brother he grows up to be. <laughs> um, and then if you want to find me at my firm, I'm at Minyard Morris. So um, you can easily Google that. I want to say thanks again for coming on, sharing everything. It's been really fun and very insightful. Now I kind of want to tell all my friends who are about to get married to, you know, maybe get a consultation beforehand. Book a session. Yeah. I, okay, let me just give a caveat here. Minyard Morris does not do prenups. We yeah. only handle the aftermath there, but we can Ooh. refer you to somebody else who does a prenup. Okay. And uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone watching. Make sure you guys like, comment, and subscribe. Let us know you guys, what you guys think about this episode. And remember, live, live fast, fast, eat ass. ass.